Okay, so now, welcome, Joshua. Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, we are going to show some of your work later, but I, I know you do a lot of cool stuff. Right? <laughs> I, try, I try, yeah. So, so give, give them a glimpse of who is Joshua. Uh, I'm a Georgia native. I am a Virgo. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm basically a nerd pursuing his dreams. I, I love doing things that inspire me and helping people uh, uh, work on their dreams as well. I like doing leather work. I like making swords, knives, armor. I do concept art. I do stunt work. I do a little bit of acting and extra stuff here and there. A little bit of modeling. Oh, you know. uh -huh. uh, nothing big. Nothing big. Like, 7-Eleven posters. That's good. Yeah, huh? it's fine. I, I wish I could be on a 7-Eleven poster. <laughs> Probably could be. I mean, you know, it's 7-Eleven. Uh, great hot dogs. Yeah. But either way, yes. Uh, that's, I just like to do the things I like to do, and somehow I've ended up falling into the ditch of it making me happy, and mm -hmm. it just keeps perpetuating itself. That's cool. So you tell me, when, how long ago did you get started, especially with the, the cosplay and oh, right. armor stuff? Uh, well, I, I think I started in creativity, like uh, you know, kindergarten, first grade, doing drawing and looking in comics and drawing what I saw and mm -hmm. stuff like that. But I, I think I started fabricating and doing uh, crafty stuff much like many of us did, which was trying to save $20. Because uh -huh. you thought someone yeah. else uh, charged way too much for it. Uh -huh. And it turns out that's not true. Yep. After, uh, you know, uh, I spent, uh, the bracelet's $40. Oh, cool. I don't want to pay $40. I can make it for 10 Yeah. And after spending $200... Just on tools? On <laughs> tools and a couple pieces of leather and making the worst bracelets you've ever seen in your entire life. Uh-huh. Uh, I just kept going, and after $2,000 in a year later and making the worst bracelets and phone cases and everything else you've ever seen in your entire life, uh -huh. I finally got good at it. Good. So luckily, I had a very big support network of friends that just love me and love seeing what I do and support me. So uh, God save all my friends who decided to buy the worst-looking things <laughs> I've ever made in my life, and I apologize that you own them. So... <laughs> That's about it. But today you sell your stuff on shows, correct? Uh -huh, right. Yep. And tell me a little bit of the venues where you sell your work. Uh, they, they range uh, from Renaissance fairs, comic conventions, uh, Combat Con, which is a new one I did, uh, which is coming in 2020, uh, which I will be goofing off at. It's just a medieval convention with uh -huh. swords and armor and fighting. So a which bunch is quite of popular today, super right? popular. Yeah, yeah it's, it's out in Vegas every August. Oh, nice! And it's just fun. Uh -huh. I just like going off and looking at swords. So I do that. I do, um, you know, every so often I'll pop in a shop and do a couple consignment pieces for people, or you know, some people hire me to do that. And then I rent them for films and stuff like that, TV okay. shows, yeah. independent films around the area, local stuff. And your material of choice is basically leather, or do you work with other types? Uh, of leather and steel. Okay. And I wow. guess bronze, brass, uh, aluminum, uh -huh. uh, stuff like that. Uh, well, paper was my first, you know, uh, sketching and concept mm -hmm. sketches and just being a, a comic book goof and uh, trying to get stuff out there. And I did that for so many years that I think leather and steel came very naturally to me because I was already thinking mm -hmm. in those creative concepts on paper. So now, uh, leather, veg tan leather, oil tan leathers, love those. They have a natural quality of distress to nice, them. Nice, nice. Have a lot of personality and antiquing built into them, which I love doing. And then steel and uh, bronze and brass. I love the finish work on that, how they patina out over the years. Oh, wow. and it's just really fun to have work you, with these things. 
Have you tried cork at all? Cork? Uh-huh. I have not, no. Ooh. It's fun. I, I like to make some uh, purses and bags out of cork. It's a nice material really? to work with. What's a, well, next what's time you come like? here, I'm going yeah. to show it. Please. It's nice. It's very soft. Yeah. Uh, um, it's thinner than leather, so you can work with a home oh. machine. Up to a point, you can work with a home machine. Right, yeah. Uh, it's not cheap. Right, because everything is imported. It never is cheap. Yeah, yeah, everything yeah. is so expensive. Yeah. Hobbies are so well, But you know, it, I don't know if expensive. we compare to, to leather, I think it may be on the same platform price. I think a hide of Kodiak, this right here, that's probably around six, uh, 12 to 15 square feet, okay. is about $170. Okay, and a hide is, well, it's a big piece. Yeah. I think maybe the cork is a little bit more expensive at this point. Really? But you should try because yeah, it's definitely. nice to work with. I want to show one of your pieces uh, so people can get a feel of what you do. And you can tell me the story, when you make, oh, right, what yeah. you use. Uh, this piece right here is a Western-inspired saddle cut or uh, wrist cuff. And uh, I don't know, when, when you first get started, you usually go through Tandy Leather, which is where I get all my tools and mm -hmm. supplies from for the most part. I'd say 80% of them. And this is what they have available. And they have a lot of Western stuff. True. So I was at the mercy of whatever tools mm -hmm. my local uh, leather provider uh, pro uh, gave me. So yeah, this is an old style, very Western steampunk style cuff. Cuffs are one of my favorite things to make because again, they accent your wrists and they're big sellers at Renaissance fairs and they conventions. They are? Oh yeah. And, and I bet they are for both, uh, for any gender. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Nice, nice. Do we have another? So just a second while we put out there. This is some of your wallets. Right, yeah. yeah. These are actually um, one of my first two, pro it's funny, this is like memory lane. <laughs> uh, and I apologize those of you going through the images in the other room because you're probably having trouble uh, finding one of my stuff and me wearing clothes at the same time. Because if you're working <laughs> yeah, you in a room. you have that trend, right? Yeah, yeah I, I hate thing. wearing clothes while I work, unless <laughs> I'm welding or doing anything fire or metal related okay. because of obvious <laughs> reasons. But these are some of the first ones I made. Uh, one of my friends, Deanna, she, um, she taught me uh, the style of riveting the edges because she knows I hate stitching and sewing. Uh, so she taught me her version of how she does things. Uh, and then I adapted to that and started making the, uh, um, the foam pouches and stuff. Uh -huh. So these are like the earliest prototypes of my, my rivet pouches. And these two went on a, uh, a quiver. Uh, I call it the Utila quiver. Mm. And it's just uh, my arrow quiver for archery that has pouches on the back and it holds my bow and knives. And those held business cards. The one on the left held a business card and the one on the right held all my arrow tips mm -hmm. and uh, all my finger gloves. How long ago like did you make? This particular one is from 2010-ish. Uh-huh, wow. Yeah. So now, coming back here, this is a more recent work that you have, Right, correct? yeah. So you this right here is my, my latest evolution of the phone wallet. Basically, I wear more costumes than actual clothes. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm happy in life. <laughs> and uh, I decided I needed something to have my phone and all uh -huh. my cards and everything on me. So I designed one of these to wear on my costume. And it's just a flip case with a mm -hmm. belt or a pocket loop. And then you flip it open, and it's got a space for your phone and then a space for all your cards. And there's usually a button stud here, but my phone's too big now, so I, so I had to resize it. it. Uh -huh. And the button stud hits here and holds it down. Nice. So clipped it on my, my uh, costume mm -hmm. and just had quick access to my phone and my debit card and my ID. And I just kept wearing it. And the more I wore it, the more people saw it and were like, oh, man, I, want it. Yeah. I need one of those yeah, yeah, yeah. for you know vendors for Renaissance fairs or conventions. 
business card holders. Some people use them to hold cigarette packs. Uh-huh. I, they just whatever you know floats your boat. I have to tell you a story. Uh, about two weeks ago, I was with a group of women, mm-hmm. most my age, uh, and we all camp with vintage trailers oh, or cool. campers, right? Yeah. So this lady came. She was not even in the group. And she had, she had bigger pouches, but still you would hook them to your pets, right? right? Uh-huh. She sold 60 oh, yeah. in about 30 minutes, yep. right? And it was about $30, $35, yeah. made of jeans, nothing, nothing fancy or special. That's great, because it's cheaper, it's much cheap. cheaper to Yeah, make. yeah, yeah, of yeah. course. But then I went and looked online, and actually there is a big trend on carrying the super tiny yeah. pockets that you can yeah. hook someplace. The saddlebag method, modular saddlebags yeah. and pouches yeah. systems. But, yeah. but not related to medieval right. <laughs> dressing yeah. or anything. Yeah. It's just people say, okay, I just want to go out with my card and my phone, period. Right. So why a purse or a bag? They have the, um, the armpit holsters as well. Oh, yeah? That have all the cards and stuff. Uh-huh. Pouches are huge right now. Huge right now. So these in my cuffs were the... Uh, kind of the big starter right now uh-huh. because people love those the most. I sell out of them. So when I first started, I was like, ah, I'm not mass producing anything. Because uh-huh. I'm an artist. Because so I'm I an artist. <laughs> I don't like to make replicas of everything. But they're the biggest seller. And I don't even charge that much. I think I charge 50 bucks you know, okay, so that's not for bad one of those and okay. 50 bucks for a bracelet because I don't like doing math. So 50 bucks is 50 <laughs> bucks is 100 bucks. Yeah. And then you just keep going. Okay. So, yeah, I, I make like 30 of these at a time. So I, anytime I do a, a convention, which is generally six times a year, mm-hmm. I make 30 of them. Mm-hmm. And every time I have like three left. Okay. So I generally sell out of them nice. pretty quick. Nice. That's very good. Well, I can see why. Great business-wise, but for your hands, just not so much. To make them? Yeah, because you make 30 at a day. Yeah, 30 yeah, yeah. yeah. A, a, it's not time. easy. Oh, all these little things, just not... <laughs> Uh, Brenda Helfrich is saying that cuff is gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you, Brenda. And guys, if you're watching this while we are live, use the comment box or the chat box to give your comments or questions to Joshua. He'll be happy to answer anything that crosses your mind there. Absolutely. As long as it's family friend. Uh, two questions for you. So you mentioned that mm-hmm. you started with the, the Western design because that's what you could find. Absolutely. And it's mm-hmm. interesting because in many techniques, uh, we call them legacy techniques, is that these are uh, art forms that if people don't empower and start making, they will they disappear. Vanish. They vanish. Absolutely. Gourd is one of them. Basketry yep. is another. Mm-hmm. Uh, and leather, I think, has that wave, right? Yeah. Uh, so how did you reinvent that issue? Because not everything has to have a buffalo or an Indian head on it, right? right? Yeah. Um, I, I just tried to, if I couldn't, use different metalwares that would have uh, Western Native American style arts and crafts on it. Uh, I, I'd try and look overseas. I, mm-hmm. I have to import some stuff from Europe that do metal crafts over there because Europe is a big hotbed for Viking, medieval, yes, yes. all that good stuff. Uh-huh. And, and that's where I found most of it. If I couldn't find it, what I would usually do was make my own. Okay. So I would take a, a circle of leather that was very thick and then draw a design on it and then tool the design in Ooh. So and make my own little metal uh-huh. spot but uh-huh. made of leather because made I couldn't find it. And I completely agree. Legacy techniques like this, are, are, my favorite quote in, in doing any classes is knowledge not shared dies alone. Yes. Which is a shame. Mm-hmm. So I am besides myself with helping people. Like I will I will help anyone that asks. Mm-hmm. It, you know, money or, or not, come learn from me. I will teach you what to do. And if you yes. can do it better than me, you should be. Yes. You know, I, I'm not a, I a like, lot of I like that are, attitude a lot yes. because we hear a lot. I don't want to teach my secrets. Trade and secrets, you keep absolutely. The, yeah, and you see that, including social media, some groups are so protective yes. of everything they say and, you know, talking about money or selling is a right. sin. 
But the fact is that if you don't spread the word and you don't teach a younger generation yes. how to make what you make, it is going to disappear yeah. and it's a sad thing. So interestingly enough, leatherworking is probably one of the bigger art forms I've seen that have the most protected trade secrets. Really? Because usually, you know, if, if I'm an artist, if I like drawing, if I like painting, if I like digital art, if I like leather, swords, all these good things, I'll talk to other artists. Uh -huh. But never in my life starting out have I had more trouble getting secrets out of people than that. with leather working. Because uh -huh. people, a lot of people are, no, I, I, I taught this to myself, I learned, you should go learn it somewhere else. Because mm. it's a competitive market. Yeah, the yeah. market is very but saturated in some places. Which market is not. Exactly. I yeah. mean, anything that you go into. At that point, sad. I think people are just afraid to, to, to teach other people because they're afraid you're going to do it better at them business-wise uh -huh. and then put them out. Sword people, though, nicest guys I've ever met. Really? Uh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh -huh. Nicest people I've ever met. Uh, you know, they're just bald guys with beards. <laughs> Even the women. Uh, the bald women guys beards. with beards, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's good. Like dwarves, they're beautiful people. I love them to death. <laughs> Me too. Uh, Julie Coating, for those who like to sew, what would you look for in a sewing machine? Oh. I think she's talking about leather. Yeah, yep. Um, for sewing machines, I, I'm not the best uh, expertise on that. Uh, I try and stay away from stitching because it's so tedious. <laughs> and um, I'm trying to think. Tandy Leather has a decent sewing machine that's a good starter one. You're going to look for probably an older sewing machine because they don't make them like they used to. Um, you're going to want to look for something not brand new that's just been taken care of for a while. I, I wish I could come up with some brands out of my head right now, but I I've never used a leather sewing machine. I, I know that at Tandy they have a manual one and yes, they have yeah. a motor one. They have a, a Which punch one, one and then a foot like? pedal one. I, I would do the foot pedal one. The foot pedal one. Uh, just because when you learn it, you get... Uh, uh, I don't know, much quicker at it, and mm -hmm. the more oomph it has horsepower-wise, the more faster you, you burn through projects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, the other thing, and I have more comments here, I'll ask in a question, uh, in a second, but you mentioned conventions and, and mm -hmm. cons and things like that. Well, to many people watching, I know that they are used to bazaars, uh, yes. some shows. Right. Tell me, and of course, this is a different crowd, tell me how they are as buyers. Uh, it depends, it really does. Uh, so, I, I've had everything all over the spectrum. So I've had, uh, I've had people that don't spend any money. They, they always get the like, I'm coming back for that in a minute, and then they vanish. Or you know, they go, ah, 50 bucks, uh, I only have $4. <laughs> uh -huh. sorry. Or you get the people that are, they're, I, I love these guys, the ones that just fall in love with it and then are just crushed that they can't buy it. Uh -huh. In which case, I generally try and work with them on price just because I'd rather someone have something they really they want really love. than carry yeah. it to my car later. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And leave yeah. it in a box. Yeah. Um, so there's those. And then there's some that, you know, you assume it's late in the convention and you're just like, here's this poor, poor kid right here. He's got no money. So mm -hmm. you lower the item down $200 <laughs> to give him a deal, but you know he's not going to buy it anyway. And then he goes, yeah, I'll take it without uh, like blinking uh -huh, an eye. And you're like, uh -huh. damn it. Yeah. I just like, you know, screwed myself out of 200 bucks on that one. <laughs> so that's only happened four or five times. Good, in my life, good. So. You know, I have a saying for that. Never judge your audience. They have Absolutely. to figure out how to pay you, not you no, say you, you yeah. don't have the money or it's, something. It's your item is worth what someone's willing to pay for it. Exactly. That's, that's what yeah, it is. Yeah. I've had to learn, because I used to feel bad for charging for my stuff, because I didn't think it was good enough for people to give me money for it. <laughs> I was just like, you really want that? Okay. Yeah. I'll give you $8 and you can have it. 
<laughs> you know, try uh -huh. and pay them to take it away from me because I didn't. You don't want to carry it to the car. I, I you know, know the worth. feeling when it's the yeah. the end of the show. You just don't right. want to carry boxes Absolutely. anymore. But you have to know your worth uh -huh. and never judge a customer. Just true. True. Let, let it them is go. True. Let them let them purchase let them if they want out, to. Right? If they don't. No worries. It's fine. That's. I make everything to fit me, mm -hmm. and I make everything that I want to make. Yeah. So exactly. if I sell out. Awesome, I have money to make uh -huh. more. If uh -huh. I don't, I get to take all this cool stuff home and put it back yeah. on my shelves. Yeah, true, so, true. Yeah. I want to give a close-up of this uh, beautiful wallet you can see there on camera oh, there eight. Suzanne Barr is asking to see she, she's in Switzerland. Hi, um, in Switzerland. Yeah, and look at this amazing oh, sorry, that's my, work. my ID. I look <laughs> frightening. Yeah, don't there. give the social right now. I look scary. <laughs> uh, we are going, I'm going to ask you about the process in a second, but I want to show some more of your work. Right. Like, I believe those are knives? Oh, those are cross guards for uh, swords. So uh, every so often I'll get someone that wants a specially made sword, and I, I'm glad I haven't had anyone that just has a drawing and sends it in, because to me, I, I, it's so hard to work with those. I, I much yeah. prefer, as an artist, for someone to go, hey, can I pay you to make something that you want to make, mm -hmm. in which mm -hmm. case I'm in hog heaven. True. But yeah, so those are cross guards for swords that I literally just made this past Saturday. Wow. Um, I churned three out in a day. Those are about, I don't know, eight and a half inches long. And they start off with a bronze bar. And then I take measurements on the sword's shoulder and tang and then mill them out. And then I bandsaw them out and then I shape them on a grinder. Wow. Um, a lot of people are used to seeing, you know, the, the medieval like pounding with a hammer uh -huh. and all that good stuff. And while that's, that's that's a great skill to have and uh -huh. another legacy skill, from a business standpoint, it's a little dicey because if it take if it can take me, you know, a day to make a sword, mm -hmm. then someone will reap the benefits of that cost by it not being as expensive as if I had to fold steel, heat yeah. it up, fold oh, yeah, steel, okay. heat it up, fold steel, heat it up, uh -huh. pound it out, grind it out, and everything, and take three months to build something and then try and get that money out true, of it. True. So I, I try and use more modern techniques. That's why anyone that calls me a blacksmith, I, I, I politely decline and okay. humbly admit that I'm a glorified machinist, <laughs> not a blacksmith. Not a blacksmith? Sorry, okay. sadly, maybe, maybe on another day. Sure, <laughs> I'll, I'll do more blacksmith stuff. Uh, cool. And then we have a, a combination here of your wallet and the cuffs, yep. right? So those are, those are my handy dandy patented uh, leather phone wallet cases as well as my saddle cuffs. The saddle cuff has been, I've probably done 12 or 13 different uh, cuffs over the course of my, I don't know, 10, what, 10, 15 year span of leatherworking. I don't remember how long I've been uh -huh. doing it. Wow. Um, but yeah, the saddle cuff is probably my most popular. The it's, yeah. Can you give me a glimpse of the process that you have to go through to make one? Absolutely. So the leather starts off like you'd see, like a leather hide, like literally someone took the hide off a cow and unfolded it, uh -huh. and then you know quartered it or halved it or what have you into whatever leather you're gonna get. Uh, I make a paper pattern first because let me tell everyone that doesn't know yet, paper is so much cheaper than leather. If you mess up, <laughs> okay, yeah, you, know, throw away. you know, throw away $20 worth of leather. No, <laughs> not so much. Make it out of paper first, see what it's gonna look like on you, okay, and good. then transfer to leather, which we'll go into in the course um, in October. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so, so the course is to uh, cut it all out of paper, make sure it fits, transfer that paper to an actual pattern that's going to have a bit more rigidity to it so it has a, a bigger shelf life for me. Okay. And uh, then I cut it out, do uh, a little bit of edge beveling, a little bit of gouge grooving, and then I get out my tools and wet the leather casing it, and then I tool the pattern into uh -huh. it. 
and then I texture it to make it look like it's old and then I dye it. Mm -hmm. So all those texture stamps and uh, spots that I gouged into it, now it absorbed more leather than the rest of the piece. So then you have, instead of one brown flat piece, you have light brown, dark brown, uh -huh. you know, uh, so many values. And that's, my, nice. that's what gets me every time is, is seeing something that has value to it, mm -hmm. not value as far as mon mon uh, monetary, but um, artistically what speaking. What comes from the piece. Yeah, what yeah. comes from the piece, how old it looks. It, looks, it has personality. Uh, it's got, you know, it looks like it's been found in a battlefield, not bought at Viking Walmart, as I always say. <laughs> nice. <Yeah. laughs> a Viking Walmart. I wonder how that would be. <laughs> I'd, I'd probably still shop there, but it would be for like meat and mead. Uh -huh. Not so much <laughs> swords or weapon armors or anything like that. That's cool. Uh, I have here a few comments. Uh -huh. let, me, let me put this in order here. Uh, Brenda, uh, about the joke that you made about, about bald people with beards, she says that she could make swords. I have a wonderful beard. <laughs> good, good. You'll um, fit right in. Do you have a special place where you get your leather from? BJ Stewart is asking that. Uh, well, I get most of my leather from Tandy. Um, it's a, a North American shop. It's basically the only chain store it we really have is. now, right? There's Beck's Leather, but I think that is a, a Utah thing. Oh, okay. Now there's Beck's Leather, there's Tandy Leather. Tandy Leather, I get most of my stuff because as an artist, you go where you buy your supplies and you, you're friendly with people. So you become <laughs> yeah. friends with the yeah, people that true, work there true. or you friend everyone and wait for them to get a job there. <laughs> so they call you when the sales are happening. Good, and, good, you know, good, good. Because you spend a buck and a half on these things so fast. Yeah, I know, bet. A hide is oh. anywhere from 50 bucks for a quarter shoulder to yeah. $300 for a really nice hide. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, Tandy Leather. There's a couple internet sources like hidehouse.com, I believe. Uh, and there's a few places out in L.A., um, uh, Los Angeles, that have a couple shops that you can buy Didn't mass come. amounts. A lot of it comes from Mexico, um, uh, Argentina, I believe, um, and then Texas. Okay. Yeah. Every, every place they have yeah. big house. They, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Kelly, uh, is there anything you haven't yet created that you really want to? Ooh, um, yeah, so much. <laughs> <laughs> I, I collect... I used to collect toys and comic books when I was a kid, and now I collect hobbies. I collect <laughs> leatherworking. Like we could be right. best yeah, friends. Exactly. Yeah. I, co I collect leatherworking, metalworking. I see an art form, and I want I want to learn it and master it, and then keep doing it, and then make more stuff, and then just keep going like that. So I haven't been into sculpting a lot. So there's a couple things I'd love to sculpt, mm. and then learn a bit more of the mold making and casting process. Ooh, I know the right place for that. <laughs> I'll be around the back waiting. Um, which is funny because I've, I've, I've mentored under a few special effects uh -huh. gurus out there that, uh, are, that that's their livelihood. And I've always just became friends with these people and helped them on stuff. Never once occurring uh, a thought that maybe I should learn from them. I just kind of help them out. And then I go on my little 23-year-old <laughs> merrily way to do other things with my life. Mm -hmm. Not thinking like, man, I totally should have learned that skill. Because you are a personal friend with Noemi Smith. Uh -huh, right, yep. Yeah, she has an amazing course at Curious Mondo oh, on yes, casting. Yeah. I and have to tell you, she's good. Crazy talented artist. She as well. is good. Oh, yes, yes for sure. So yeah. I, I think 
uh, sculpting, doing some sculpted pieces. I know that's not very specific, but I'd like to try bows at one point in time. Um, it's bows? What's that? Bows. Uh, bows? Yeah. Oh, really? So I, I love archery. Archery is one of my big hobbies, uh -huh. but I do not make arrows and I do not make bows. However, I've studied the process on YouTube and a couple of times. That's how I learned leatherworking, by the way. I, yeah, a lot there. It was hard, like I was saying, it's hard to get secrets out of people uh -huh. and they won't teach you leather because you're just some guy that just came off the street. Uh -huh. You know, I'm not teaching you nothing. So I... I just made mistakes, a lot of mistakes, yeah. uh, which is great because as, you, as you'll hear me repeat several times throughout our relationship, success is nothing more than standing upon a mountain of failures. Mm -hmm. So I look forward to failing so that I could learn to succeed. Um, and I, I failed a lot. And then I watched YouTube videos and tried to learn how to do that. And you know that worked out, but uh -huh. luckily I found a mentor for sword for sword making, which so. is always the 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 best approach, right? Absolutely. When you finally find the mentor, I think the artists they have this uh, I need to figure out curse. Yes, right, absolutely. and that's why we end up collecting hobbies. Now, crazily enough, when uh. you have a mentor, you still don't figure that stuff out. <laughs> you they say stuff that may as well be gibberish in yeah. another dead language, and you're like. Yeah, okay, fine. And it's not until you jump in and make your, start making your own mistake. Like my mentor uh, back in Florida, Chris, um, he taught me how to do stuff, but I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> no idea half the time. I just would eyeball everything and go, oh, that sword looks right. Okay, yep, okay, we're good. And then, hey, how's this? And he's like, ah, I don't know, man. That's okay. But And then later on, you know, I'd move out here and mm -hmm. then start doing it myself, and it'd start clicking, uh -huh. like linking together and going, this is what he was talking about, you know, mm -hmm. so... You can have the best mentor in the world, but none of that means anything because mm -hmm. it's only theoretical knowledge until you dive in and get yes, your hands dirty. True, true. If you don't yeah. try. And, and there is this uh, sweet feeling when you figure it out, right? Absolutely. So you fail, then fail. There's a lot of frustration in the process. As long as you keep doing it, right. at some point, <gasps> yeah. now I know why. Yeah. Much like math yes. from school. <laughs> that I don't know. I never <laughs> Had figured no that idea out. what fractions were all through school. I still don't. And like a year ago, I'm like, oh my God, that makes sense. Half and half is a whole, and that's quarter. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe I'm glad you figured that out. Yeah, you know. I would still fail. <laughs> Jay, Jay is asking, where do you find the most inspiration from? Oh, it's got to be... Tolkien stuff. Oh, know, yeah? Lord of the Rings. How many uh, times have you watched those things? I, it couldn't count. Ooh. I've lost so many hours to Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> extended editions, because shame on you if you're not. Oh, really? Yeah. With the director Three and a half hours well. and everything. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Okay. So I watch those once every six months. I'll really? put the entire trilogy on. Uh, the Hobbit is pretty decent, too, but I'll mostly stay with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Old school medieval fantasy, cartoons, um, Game of Thrones is a big one. And then I've got, uh, you know, uh, idols out there, like the whole collective of Weta Workshop, like Richard Taylor, Peter Lyon, uh, Chris Minges, all the, they have, there's artists that are so skilled, I can't help but to like, just be in awe of how they do the things they do and aspire to, to reach their level. Mm -hmm. um, you know what I mean? And then local friends as well, you know, Logan Long, Dave Powell, uh, friends like that. He, uh, Dave Powell's basically my twin. He's just oh, you know, really? a couple inches shorter than me, but same everything. Same, oh. same skill set, same uh -huh. everything. But he's also so good that I'm just like, ah, just uh, it's a pleasure to work with you know, closest friends that mm -hmm. are also yes. uh, big inspirations. So comic books from the 90s, old school movies that have anything sword and fantasy and stuff like that, anything armor, 13th Warrior. Uh, I've got a terabyte of just great medieval movies that I'll watch over and over again. Uh -huh. Old school, early on, it was comic books and art books. 
uh, video games and stuff like that, which I still pull a lot of my, and I wouldn't say a reference but, or resources, but inspiration from, because mm -hmm. it's, it's disrespectful and disingenuous to copy something that already exists. Mm -hmm. It's okay to borrow from it in the sense that like, I like that, I'm going to make something completely different, but along that same vein Line. of fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and also you mentioned Game of Thrones and, and games. It also um, shows you what the audience wants right now. Yes, right? Because absolutely. They, are, they are always evolving Tell me about as it. well. Yeah, right? like in the what, mid 2000s, uh -huh. archery was the biggest thing in the world because you had like Legolas, you had elves everywhere, uh, you had Katniss Everdeen uh -huh. with the Hunger Games. Uh, yeah, you, it you was had a huge so thing. much yeah. archery everywhere. So bows went out of stock everywhere. Bows and arrows uh -huh. went insane, which is awesome because archery is like meditation mm -hmm. that you can feed yourself with or defend yourself with. That's why I like it. Yeah. You know. But yeah, I'm glad stuff like that is catching on. And yes. now, and of course, back in like early 90s, 80, late 80s, when I grew up, being a nerd wasn't awesome. It was, you know, mm -hmm. that guy, you know. So none of that stuff was cool. Uh -huh. Now we're living in hog heaven yeah. with everything nerdy being very cool uh -huh. and mass produced. So we well, get really cool inspiration. It is very nerdy now. And you see this a lot with, with millennials, especially. They, they want to do it. Uh, for example, Lost West casting. Mm -hmm. I can right. 3D print anything, but you have a, a, a lot of silversmiths that they want to know the whole process of that. Absolutely. And they will be loyal to that technique, which yes. is a legacy, right? Yeah. Uh, so Lost Wax casting is what's crossing my mind, but the whole medieval thing, yes. right? And the, uh, the arrows and everything else is yeah. like preserving the, something. The grunge, the grunge yes. of the outfits yes. of the costumes. That's another one of my yeah. favorite pieces is, is costumery. I love costuming. And I love it, again, I love when it looks like you got off a dead body in a battlefield, yes. not from Viking Walmart. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. so the grunge on it, the greasy textures, like it yes. looks like he lived in that thing yes. for a year. The attention to that kind of detail to both props and costuming is just awe-inspiring. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's fantastic. Let's look at some more, more of your pieces. Mm -hmm. So here we have an armor, right? Yep. So uh, the shoulder pauldrons, or spalders, uh, I grabbed off of, I think, an old movie set I used to work on um, and just held them because I haven't gotten to shaping metal yet. But I am well-versed in leather forming and tooling. So the chest piece in the helmet there, that's all veg tan leather. Um, forever ago, I saw, coming back to Weta, uh, Weta is like the New Zealand special effects, like pinnacle, like the Valhalla of the Asgard of, um, of special effects. And they did a special with uh, Jamie Savage on uh, making armor, and mm -hmm. I love the way he's used the techniques. And while I've made three or four different chest and backs, I watched his video and saw other techniques I never even dreamed of. Mm -hmm. Like, and I was like, oh my God, that is amazing. I wanna try that. So though I've already done the technique before, I saw other techniques I could push into and then and did. And then, boom, awesome. like I, that I think built in a day. <laughs> I think this is a costume, right? Now. Yep, that's me at Evermore Park. This costume was built out by David Powell and that's my Kasai bow. And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so I also uh, sideline as a bit of an actor and goofy uh, so archery I, I have a uh, comment here mm -hmm. actually, and we can dive into that. Yeah, George Farrow is saying, Josh, we met in Evermore and I have been following you since. You helped me hook the ring of the <laughs> Bimini ring game. Right, yep. Thank you, by the way. I want to get into leather working. Advice on getting started. Also, what are some pitfalls to be aware of? So, right. let's answer this in three. Absolutely, yep. 
first tell people what is Evermore because it's okay. really a very cool concept that we have right. here, right? Uh, so Evermore is a live action role playing interactive theme park uh, that's based in medieval steampunk, Viking, dragon-esque, uh, Victorian, Charles Dickens Christmas, all this potluck of everything I just <laughs> it said. It gets many generations yeah. there, right? Many, yeah, yeah, many many flavors are, are added to this uh, amalgam. So um, it's a place where you can go, and where it's like a backdrop of a movie set. The, the movie is already there. All the backdrops are already built. The set's already built. The actors are there. And you go, and you get put on these quests. And so it's like playing Skyrim, only you actually get to go and dress up in a costume and interact with other people, uh, actors in costume, that puts you on a story and quest. And one of the quests is uh, archery and axe throwing, and you have to get a bullseye or you have to hit the target. Mm -hmm. um, and then you have to do the same thing with an axe in order to become a Blackheart, uh, which is another character uh, base over there. And also, the grilled shrimp aren't that bad. The grilled shrimp are amazing. <laughs> it's really good. Street corn. Uh, that might take me there. Oh, yeah. So, so little Shahar gets to Evermore in her own costume, and then what? Will I feel totally out of place? Is there a place there for a lady there's, like me? Yeah, there's there's half and half. So okay. half of the people love wearing their own costumes. They don on some wigs yeah. and elf ears, and they go out and have a great time with their friends. And you can come alone, or you can come with a group of 20 friends, and all do the same good stuff. And there's the people that don't want to dress up and just want to hang out in clothes. They get to go on the quest as well. Okay. Uh, you get to walk around and see stuff. You get to try your hand in archery and axe throwing. Uh, you get to see live shows. You get to see a live reptile and bird show oh. uh, that we put on as well. That's really nice. So there's, there's plenty of stuff for everyone that would wear costume as well as go without costume. Right. I prefer to dress up in costume. I know, you and like it. And yeah. go goof off, that's just me. <laughs> I have a friend actually there, he says it's his new favorite place on earth. Right, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Of course he's, he's a nerd, but you know. And that's speaking from a fan's perspective. <laughs> huh? From an employee's perspective, it's also kind of my favorite place on earth. I bet. It's, it's, it's hard because I'll go there at like 8.39 in the morning to start my normal work day, and then the park opens at 6 p.m., and then I'll just go into the park and walk around until like 11 or midnight, nice. and then go back in the next day and just keep doing that's, stuff. That's awesome. But yeah. uh, I, I read, I think, at the Utah Business Magazine yesterday, actually, mm -hmm. I got an email, that one of the people that started the park it was actually a Disney Imagineer, right? Yeah, we have a couple Imagineers that... Um, our, our directors of the park, uh -huh. uh, Josh Shipley and Josh Stedman. Josh Shipley's our creative Tons CEO. of Josh there. Oh, I, and I'm a Josh, so <laughs> yeah. they call, that's why they call me Warbear. Okay. They call me Warbear, that's it. how I got the nickname Warbear. So they Warbear. know who it is. So okay. they, we're calling that guy. Uh -huh. So yeah, we have these guys that are directors of the park, they're creative guys and mm -hmm. set design and install guys and everything like that. Awesome. I actually work under Josh Stedman, which is a former Disney Imagineer. Uh, that does a lot of set design stuff. I think he's so also you have has to be his a very lucky like guy. Mama Mia, as oh, well really? as um, oh man, uh, the Johnny Depp movie with the barber, the Demon Barber. Oh yeah, Caesar's Hand. Uh, yeah. uh, Sweeney Todd. That's oh right. Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Okay. So he's doing that over in uh, and uh, uh, um, I forget where where at. Nice, yeah. nice. All the power to Evermore. Absolutely. Uh, so George here wants to know. I want to get into leather working. Advice on getting started. So, right. of course, you have tons of tools. You do this professionally. Right. Let's talk about the basics here and how much a person would invest to get started. Uh, I'd look for, first off, hi, George. How's it going? I heard you were looking uh, for me around Evermore Park <laughs> Friday or Saturday night. They said that there was a guy that was coming around that said I helped him hook the rings, <laughs> and he was trying to email me. 
Ooh. I'm so sorry. Uh, but yeah. It's hard to get around. It it's is. Just I, I can give, is it okay if I give my email of address? Of course it is. If anyone has any questions at any time, send an email to warbear at evermore.com. That's W-A-R-B-E-A-R at evermore.com. So reach out to me on there. If I gave you a card or another email address, I haven't gotten any of those emails. I apologize. <laughs> Either way. Um, <laughs> so the basics So the basics. Started. Look forward to spending around three to $500 right off. Okay, that's on a big kit of tools. Tandy Leather has a bucket that's like the beginner's kit that has scissors and awl and stuff like that. I prefer to like uh, jump in and just kind of buy at random the first like hundred bucks worth of things. Okay. But the problem with that is I spent a hundred bucks and then found out I was missing a whole bunch of other stuff that I needed to complete that project. Yeah, but it's a reason to go back. Absolutely. <laughs> so I went back and spent another couple hundred dollars. And so some so basic tools. Basic uh, tools. What kind of leather is the best one to get started? I like veg tan. Veg tan anywhere from four to six to ten to twelve ounce. Ten to twelve ounce will be your thick armor grade armors, which are very stuff and sturdy. Um, and then three to four, and then between them, the uh, three to four would be the softer ones. Two to three ounce is kind of like a floppy like this. Mm -hmm. um, whereas, uh, you know, four to six and then above is more of like uh, your softer armor grade leathers and your bracelets and stuff like that. Uh, so Does he need a, a sewing machine for this? Or no, not at all. Not no, at no. all, because they are not cheap. No, right? I've been doing it for like 15 years, and I've never once bought a sewing machine. Oh, really? Yeah. Ooh, we are great to have fun hand. at this course. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've done the thing by hand, uh -huh. so I watch Netflix and just... Yeah, that's how I do it too. <laughs> what are some pitfalls to be aware of? Uh, spending money, becoming obsessed over making things, uh, spending time away from family and loved ones, because you're stuck in your garage or your bedroom at night making stuff. Um, I don't know if those are pitfalls or not. They mm -hmm. are for, I guess, other people. For me, it's pretty awesome because I'm just making stuff obsessively. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, pitfalls would definitely be failure every so often because sometimes you, you have an idea in your head and it just doesn't come to fruition, whether it's lack of experience and skill mm -hmm. or whether it's just sometimes your materials just don't work with you. Sometimes you get a piece of leather that has a bit too much uh, stretch in it and play in it, uh, has a couple spots in it that just aren't really well. And that's why, again, I choose to make really ugly, distressed leather because that just incorporates itself in the design. Awesome. Um, so yeah, the pitfalls are gonna be spending money and um, a large 15 by 15 area of your dwelling being covered in rivets and fur. <laughs> but. To, to be fair, I've, mm -hmm. you know, uh, always smelt amazing because leather smells leather really awesome, good. Yes. So I've, you know, that's, that's my deodorizer <laughs> everywhere. I just throw leather on yeah, shelves yeah. and just wait for it to permeate. <laughs> that's um, so cool. Trying to think of other pitfalls. Sometimes you're going to jab your finger. Sometimes you're going to smack your pinky with a hammer. Yeah. It's just standard stuff. And that's like, you know. Uh, spending too much money and looking for great deals is what you're going to want to do because, again, I mentioned the pitfall with money. If you haven't taken time to really uh, re uh, research what you're trying to buy and what it costs somewhere, you're going to end up spending a ton more money uh, somewhere else than you may have been able to save just doing a little bit of shopping for it. Mm -hmm. Good.
Yeah. You know, I was thinking here that my daughter used to think I was just weird. You know, the thing of I can relate. half of the house <laughs> <laughs> being for that and the obsessiveness, yeah. Yeah. the nonstop constant need to create. Absolutely. But now she knows it's, it's actually a kind. You kind of have to get yeah. used to it or we move on. on. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, That's how there I is no end to it. that. We're, yeah. we're them. I, I went from having a, a drawing desk in my room growing uh -huh. up in the small little trailer in Georgia that I grew up in. Um, to being, what was it? I think I was 22, 23, eh, 23 24, when I got into leatherworking. And uh, yeah, I just, my yeah. room became crazy. There was, there was a small bed in the corner of the room with an alpaca mat over the top of it to sleep on, like a fur mat, <laughs> and a TV with an Xbox, and then a giant uh, desk full of leather, yeah. full of like leather, wood burners, woodworking machines, and then just totes. Everything in my room became totes of stuff. So I had totes full of Viking written on the side of it. Renaissance, uh, Dark Ages, steampunk, uh, you know, superhero. <laughs> just costumes and started just getting separated. And then it was just, you know, like the end of Jeepers Creepers, the horror movie, where he's just sitting on the stool half naked, stitching something like all crazy. That's kind of how kind it became. I just, every day of my life was Netflix and leatherworking or drawing. Yeah. So I lived in an um, apartment for a while and I lived upstairs. Anytime you live upstairs in an apartment, <laughs> go downstairs, meet your neighbor, make real good friends with them, buy them whatever they want because some gifts. they're about to hear a lot <laughs> of hammering <laughs> on everything. So I, I did that and, uh -huh. you know, she would send me a text when it was time to stop and I go, yep, sorry, no problem. <laughs> so I would get up at nine o'clock in the morning, um, way back when I was just doing nothing but this. 9 o'clock in the morning till 9.30 at night, leatherworking and watching Netflix. Then from 9.30, I'd turn it off, uh, turn off the leatherworking, get out the sketch pad and the Photoshop, and I would and start sketching it. and doing graphic <laughs> design and stuff till like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, wow. and then repeat for like wow. three years. That is how you master something. Now, if anybody comes to visit and touches something, you go, sacred, sacred to, right. no, yep. no, 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 right. Yep. <laughs> little nope. spray bottle on. Yeah, yeah the water yeah, like you uh -huh. do with the dog. Stacy. <laughs> Bond is asking, oh, out of all the things that Stacey you Bond. yourself uh, makes, machines or designs that gives you the most satisfaction or enjoyment at the end of the process? Machines or designs? I have to, can I read that question? Yes, you can. Sorry. My brain just dissected it and made it into something not. Out of all the things that you. Oh. Huh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> That's a, that's a hard call. Like, um, I've yet to make full-on machines, but if you're asking me designing or using the machines to create, I think that might be what it is. And enjoyment at the end of the process. So is that your case? You, 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 where's the, the enjoyment for you? Ah, In the process? The, at the, the end? The very, the, the very end. Like the, very the last end. three quarter is uh -huh. the first like quarter is just straight math and Sharpie marker on stuff. And that's, that's mostly sword and also leatherworking, I guess, as well. It's just designing and building and hope, thinking it might work. Mm -hmm. Right where you start to dye the leather and you start to start bending it around and forming it around and riveting everything together, that's the most satisfactory. Yeah, satisfactory. You're just like, you're seeing it come together. And then getting to wear it is another one. You get to wear it and that's probably the most fun I've had in a while is putting my stuff on and going, ha, 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 me. <laughs> Badass. And, yeah. Uh, so... You know, yeah. that's where most of the enjoyment comes out of. Um, cool. Yeah. Let's see one more piece that you made. 
That is probably the second or third knife sheath I ever made. Oh, uh, and it so looks way back, way back forever ago in Georgia, uh, I used to pick up lawnmower blades, and me and my dad would actually grind lawnmower blades to be really? knives. Really? Yeah. So uh, the first two knives I ever made were with my father. Probably, actually, way longer than. I take that back. We made a sword together forever ago, and it was the worst-looking sword you'd ever seen. <laughs> But it was one of those things where me and my dad never connected. Yeah. So, you know, oh. how are you going to connect if, if you've got a southern gentleman that loves fishing, hunting, and camping <laughs> and this scrawny little nerd kid that loves video games and comic books? Mm -hmm. Well, I like swords, and I wanted to make a sword, and my dad knew leather or metal work and woodwork. Wow. So he helped me make one, and I was just, oh, this is so cool. And then I would forget about that, and then later on we would make a lawnmower blade knife. Uh -huh. And it wasn't a good knife at all, uh, but... I would eventually get more skills and then uh -huh. revisit and refine. Yeah. And then I made a sheath for it. That's um, fantastic. It's a very gorgeous and piece. And the first probably 10 knives I had, I gave to all my family members. Uh -huh. my, my grandmother, my mom, my aunt, my siblings all came to visit me when I lived in Florida. And I laid out all the knives I just made. Oh. And I was like, yeah, go ahead, pick you one, mom. And mom grabbed one, and grandma, and aunt, and everyone <laughs> grabbed. So all the knives I had went right out the window right away. Good, good. But you know, without them, I never would have done any of this. Uh -huh, so it's uh -huh. you know, uh, pay the piper, I guess you'd say. Yeah, and you mentioned the the connection point with him being a hunter and, and whatever, but he knew woodworking, right, and metalwork, right, which he would teach me then woodworking. Which also legacy, right? If we Absolutely. talk about wood carving, how how hard it is to mm -hmm. pass this to the other generation. So, but yeah. that's exactly what he did. Absolutely. Me and my father actually built the house that we or my family lived in uh, for a while. And back then, it was just annoying, hard work that I didn't <laughs> want to do, that I had to do, or dad was going to beat me with a stick. Uh, and then later on, I would get uh, contracted to be pulled out to Utah from Florida and start building sets for film. Huh. And I was only supposed to be out there for three months, and I ended up being out there for like two years. But I remember like being on a 30-foot wood structure, you know, doing everything that my dad had taught me, and I was like, See? Everything he taught me came in came. handy now. That's uh -huh. the only reason I have this job. And you saw the importance of, of all Absolutely. this, right? What made yes. in your He in passed your down journey. techniques to me that didn't seem important at the time because yeah. I was an in, uh, ungrateful little little child <laughs> that would rather play Game Boy instead of doing yeah, but anything. you couldn't see your future at that not. point. No. And yeah. we we tell this at Curious Mondo to all the time. You know that you never know who you're going to inspire. Your job Absolutely. is to show. Yes. Your job is if they ask yeah. to answer, right? Right, and then they follow their journey. You never know; it might be yeah, years later. Absolutely, and right? then I'm, you have I'm the... keenly interested in seeing where they end up. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I, it doesn't even matter that I, I helped on that journey. Mm -hmm. I just like to see where people end up and what they do. Yes, yes, you know? and see them so happy at the end. Uh, Bree is asking, did you say how long you've been doing leather work? Uh, two thousand and nine. 2009, Around 2008, that. something cool. like that. So 10, 15 years, I don't remember. Brenda Helfrich, are you inspired by Boris Vallejo? Ah, uh, yes. Boris Vallejo is an amazing artist. I, I had art books of his from way back when I could remember. Oh, yeah? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, all the, all, Boris, and I'm trying to think of other names in my head right now. Everyone that drew uh, Conan, like Steve Ditka and stuff like that. Fantasy painters as well as comic book artists. Uh, I, I had a Bible just... Uh, section of amazing illustrated art books nice. that I still collect today and just throw them up on the shelf. 
That's cool. That's yeah. cool. George Dutson, uh, thank you so much, Josh. My wife will want to learn as well, so we are good. I will be sending you an email, or 12 for sure. <laughs> Look forward to seeing you around evermore. Absolutely. You Deborah well. Twin, uh, I really want to see the class. So let's talk a little bit. Oh, and Karen Baker, I, I know she went on a yeah, tour yeah. with you. Karen. I got so jealous. Uh, Karen. Oh, hi, cool. Warbear. <laughs> She's cool. Ka She's cool Karen, and crazy, yeah. right? Karen's dangerous. <laughs> Dan you know, that's what I think. I, I would say I taught her to throw axes, but man, she didn't throw she any or, right? she already because knew. She throws stuff at it people. It felt like she already knew how to throw axes. <laughs> she like was possessed by the spirit of a Viking warrior, a Valkyrie, if you will. And yeah, she was just splitting wood left and right. Yeah. Still has to work on that archery, though. <laughs> so. Yeah, but she throws things at people, so you have oh, to be careful. Yeah, definitely. So, of course, you have a course up, uh, upcoming here in about two months on Curious Mondo. Mm -hmm. uh, before you tell us what you're going to be covering, what you showed is, is very medieval. You show at cons and, and, and mm -hmm. conventions. But is this uh, something for someone, maybe, I, I don't know, a jewelry maker, somebody that mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, sure, absolutely. have other venues to sell and other audience to sell to? Mm -hmm. Would this be useful for them? Uh, yes, absolutely. Uh, I'm a firm believer and that every um, aesthetic, crafting aesthetic, is interchangeable with everything. So not only do I do leather work, I make necklaces and stuff too. Uh, anything reclaimed, I look... It's funny because a lot of time what we'll do is we'll go looking for like deer skeletons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Stuff, just dead things in nature that have just been bleached. Mm -hmm. And we'll clean them up and I'll bore holes in them and make jewelry out of the bones. Or, oh. you know, I'll make a claw necklace and uh -huh. everything like that. So and jewelry making super fun. Um, I have, my hands are too big to get into the fine, the fine details of it yeah. for now. Uh, so I'm stuck with the big stuff, <laughs> uh, which is why my phone is about that size. Um, <laughs> tablet size, but but your 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 techniques techniques right, are, yeah. can be applied in different Absolutely. shapes and forms because you always need a, a strand of leather to tie on or some sinew to to lace up um, or a rivet to punch in and then hammer down and you know tooling is 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 basically leather jewelry in itself you know mm -hmm. what I mean yeah. so you're taking a blank surface and carving into it and making this relief uh, that goes on you yeah you know. So that's, yeah, that's absolutely. Phenomenal. And what do you plan to cover on this class that is coming? I plan to cover everything um, from pattern making to leather theory to aesthetic theory to uh, dyeing and aging process uh, to the philosophy of the piece to you know, the final wrap up of maybe a little bit of life, love, romance, and philosophy. That's good. That's you good. Know, I like I, those. I tend to touch on everything. <laughs> you know. Why not? Yeah, right, absolutely. right. Why you're, yeah. That's phenomenal. So his course is already uh, open for registration. You find at curiousmondo.com. Go to upcoming courses, and you will find it there. Register. It is free to watch the whole thing while we are live. This is a nine-class course. We are going to be together for three days, so it's really in-depth. You know what Josh said at the beginning, that it was really hard to find people that would tell their secrets? Well, he is going to tell all his secrets, uh, and you know, you, you're going to get started on a very fun journey. We actually... Uh, we were looking for somebody to teach leatherwork here for quite a long time. I've been here for forever now. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> I've just been down the road. <laughs> yeah, see? Yeah. But you don't know what you don't know. But we finally met Absolutely. through somebody in California, Noemi right. Smith, yeah. right? Yeah. She introduced us, and here we are. He's amazing. And more, more, more than the leather work, I think you make things fun and yeah. with meaning, <laughs> right. right? Well, they have to be fun. I mean, I'm, I'm a living testament to... School teachers not being fun means I didn't learn anything. That's why I didn't learn math until college because, uh -huh. you know, one plus one, okay, fractions, this. If, if you can explain it into a way that's fun for everyone, mm -hmm. you want to pay attention. You want to learn. Well, that's why I, you know, got low grades in all my classes because I would rather draw and write and make stuff. Uh -huh. So you just make it fun. People want to learn. They want to pay attention. Yes, yes. You know, and they accept the information in their brains way more easily. Because Especially it was fun. now, right? I mean, yeah. it's clearly you were a lot younger than I am. But when I went to school, it was really boring because you Super were not boring. supposed to yeah. say anything, right? Yeah. And you, they would Hit just, with a stick. yeah. It's a, it was a memorizing job. So, for example, yeah. math for me has always been an issue. Right. But today, people don't accept that anymore, yeah. right? They don't want to be told what to do. They want a mentor. So I didn't get really good at math until I found out I had to use it to make a sword. Huh. And then the moment I correlated swords with math, that came I, together. Yeah, I started like, oh my god, all this makes sense now because I want it. I want to learn, and I have something to to apply it to uh -huh. that is my interest. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I hope to have that someday because I'm yeah. so uh, maybe bad at Curious math. Mondo can do a fractions class. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be the host. Just say. <laughs> Man, it's so bad, you know, that I, I did training many years ago to, um, I don't know how to say that in English, but when you do on-time translation, so you're talking and I'm talking right, another yeah. language, everything went always extremely fine until there was a number involved. I right. really have a block. Because your, your mind is on one track and numbers are a completely different yes, one. Yes, and, uh, and then one, my mentor came to me and said, you do have a block right. with numbers. Absolutely. Because it was every single time. Yeah. I had no issue translating, like, you know, almost simultaneously, really. Came a number, everything got screwed up. Right. So, whatever. Those boring teachers. Absolutely. Okay, uh, Kathy Baldwin, uh, love this interview. BJ Stewart, do you make corsets? Um... The one with Curious Mondo? Yes, I do. Is that the one? No, That's corsets it. for... Oh, corsets. Yes. I said corses, sorry. Uh -huh. um, no, not really. I like, I, I like making stuff that I can wear. And granted, I could wear a corset. <laughs> Obviously, well. I don't need one. So uh, uh, I, I've made a couple bodices before, uh, and they're, they're fun to make. Uh, the thing with, with a guy and a girl is... Uh, a guy is easier to make stuff for because, A, I'm a guy, so I can try it on my own body, and that's fine. But girls have a little bit more of an hourglass shape to them. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole lot more math and angles yes. that you have to go for. So there's a lot more heavy patterning. Whereas a guy is basically a square. I'm basically a giant rectangle. <laughs> so I know, okay, that's, that's what that is right there. So that's what this is right here. Whereas a, a female is, is much a, more is blessed with curvaceous uh, form. So lot lot more crazy math involved in it. Yeah. But, well, I, I, but I like that you, you yeah. make stuff that you would wear or use, Absolutely. right? So, yeah. yeah. Uh, take a look at our uh, existing courses for some cosplay. There is actually one on pattern uh, that she covers corsets there. Oh, cool. It's, yeah. yeah, it's very cool. Uh, Brie is asking, do you have a website we can view more of your work? So tell uh, them all the ways they can get in touch with you. So all the ways you can get in touch with me. You're going to be busy. Uh, 407 555 No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going <laughs> to my phone number. I mean, if you want, it's fine. But either way, um, so I have a website. It's darkarcherdesign.com. Um, 
but I'm very lax about digital stuff when it comes to webs. So I don't have a lot of stuff up there. There is an email form that you can send to me that I will answer eventually when I find it. Um, but there's a lot of really good, fun gallery photos up there. My Facebook is a good way to get in contact with me because Facebook. Um, <laughs> so is Joshua? Von Warbear. So oh. Joshua Von Warbear, and that's V-O-N space W-A-R dash B-E-A-R. Uh, my Instagram, which is Dark Archer Design, underscores between dark and archer and design. Um, follow me on there, and you can send me messages on any of those platforms, and um, I, can, I can help you out anytime you need. Fantastic. And as far as corsets go, uh, I wanted to touch on the uh, techniques I'll be teaching you can apply to basically anything. Uh, I like to teach things... Um, here's how I do it, here's why I do it, and here's how you can apply that to four other different venues mm -hmm. of things. So all the, th all the same techniques I'm going to be teaching are the same that I would use for corsets, just a different shape. Whereas a bracelet would be my wrist, a corset would be a body. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So same stuff, same aging techniques, awesome. rivets, stitching, whatever you want to apply to that. I'm really excited about As that. As am Can't I. Can't wait that. For Absolutely. Yeah, it's just a few, uh, two months away. I, yeah. I don't have the date here, but go there, register again. It's free for you to watch. Get some leather. If you have some tools, put them around and we'll get going, right? Absolutely. Any final words to our audience? Um, don't be afraid to fail. It's fun. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. And guys, thank you very much for being here and interacting with us. Remember, this is this is going to stay wherever you're watching or any podcast platform out there. Tell your friends about it, including groups, because as you saw, nothing is being sold here. Everything is free. So tell people to know more about Leatherworld. It's upon our shoulders to get all this amazing art forms alive. And when we share, we are helping doing that. Okay? I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Thank you so much.